This is the OTP presented by Farm Bureau Health Plans. Turn to the folks who've been in the game for 75 years. Farm Bureau Health Plans offers the great health care coverage you need with a price tag you can afford. I'm Mike Keith. This is an OTP Q's edition with John Robinson, Titans General Manager. Welcome. Hey, Mike. How are you? I'm well. How are you doing? I'm outstanding. Can you believe that training camp is now just a few weeks away? Right around the corner. I swear it seems like when the season ends and you, know, you start senior bowl prep and you're looking at combine and it's like we got it's a long four or five months here and OTAs at minicamp and then you blink and you're like well where did it go? It seems like the, the days are long but the weeks sure are short. In early July are you able to turn it off for a period of time? Yeah, we'll unplug for a little bit, and you know, Mike talks about it all the time. This is the, the time of the year where we've got a good team uh, that and a bunch of dependable guys and guys that, that do the right thing, make good choices. Um, you know, we try to pride ourselves on, on bringing those kind of guys to our football team. And, but still, there's you know, your stomach's in knots a little bit. Like, is, Are they working the way that we want to work you know, and getting themselves ready for, for August and, and the rigors of training camp and all that. So, yeah, I'm able to, to kind of shut down. I, unfortunately, they can always find me on the cell phone. You know, <laughs> I'd love to be able to throw that thing in the ocean somewhere, but maybe one of these days. Yeah, we'll unplug for a little bit, a little family time. You know, I try to immerse myself in the summers because in October and November and December, you you know, you're going you're gonna to want those days. Your girls are invested in your job too, though. They're very interested in what you do and know a lot about it, which has got to help you stay connected even through the rest of the year. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, I think my, my oldest, Taylor, she's uh, 16. She'll be a junior this year. She knows a lot about football, plays and players and situations and penalties. And my wife and, and Bailey, not so much. They, they just kind of cheer for the two-tone blue because that's who dad works for. But, yeah, they love coming to games. They love being around the team and the guys because that's all they've known their entire life. What has this offseason been like overall for you compared to your first six as the Titans general manager? Yeah, it's it gets it gets more difficult every year. You know, as you get you get to be a better football team, uh, it's it's a lot different. It was in that in that first year when it was really a, a blank slate and you're trying to get to know the players and the coaches and you're trying to establish a, a culture and a style with how you're going to do things and how you're going to play the game. And everybody kind of knows that now about what we are and who we are and how we want to approach our jobs and, and stylistically how we want to play. But it's, it's, you're, you're managing a lot of different stuff now with, you know, the way the social media has impacted everything that becomes another thing you have to kind of manage and manage personalities. And, but it's fun. Have a blast, you know, coming every day to work. It's not really work for me. It's something that I love to do. And, um, just as excited about year seven as I was year one. We talk constantly about you having to make hard decisions. You acquired Robert Woods, and there are different directions you could have gone at the wide receiver position back in March. You chose to trade for a veteran who was coming off a knee surgery. Why was Robert Woods the right choice for the Tennessee Titans at this moment in time? Yeah, I mean, I think he's always been uh, a player that I have admired his skill set. You know, going back to when he came out of out of USC, and uh, 
certainly when he was with, you know, with Buffalo and then, you know, in his time with, with L.A., just the way he played the game, the way he ran routes, the way that he was with the ball in his hands, he was a tough guy, the way he blocked, everything that everybody that I knew had said about him as a person. Um, and then looking back on our at my scouting reports on him coming out, and it was everybody at USC was extremely positive, and he's certainly grown into that type of pro player and that type of man. And, um you know, excited about having him on our football team and what he's done so far uh, this spring. He has been exactly who you thought he would be. Yeah, I mean, I remember looking out of his phase. It may have been phase one. And, you know, some guys here, not everybody was here yet, but he was the look team linebacker, and he was working with Austin Hooper, and he was like, this is in this coverage and this route concept, 99%. You could almost – I wasn't out there, but you could almost know what he was – you almost knew what he was telling him, like, this is where this guy is going to be, so you're going to have to adjust your route this way to give the cue a you know, window to throw the football. So just a pro and how he approaches everything. Austin Hooper was another one. Tight end from Cleveland, on the market, available. Could have gone in many different directions. And people having seen him in the OTAs and the minicamp have been blown away with him. Yeah, I was a big fan of his coming out. I'm still you know, kicking myself for not taking him. Uh, when he came out in the draft, because I think he went in what the third round, I think to to Atlanta, and um, you know got his correct career off to a pretty fast start down there, and then hit free agency, ended up in Cleveland, and you know teams make decisions, and you know he was one that they had gone a different direction from, and fortunately for us, he was available, and yeah, he's immersed himself in our culture, and you know I remember him coming on a visit on a pre-draft thirty visit here, and I think I've still got it somewhere, but. He may be the only prospect that hand wrote me a letter and mailed it back, and I'd love to play there for the Tennessee Titans. And I just thought it was a pretty cool gesture for, you know, a young player going out in the draft to reach out with a handwritten letter. Nobody, you know, somebody sends up a text now, but, you know, he actually took the time to handwrite a letter and send it in. And he certainly approached his job, you know, this spring and getting to know his new teammates and acclimate himself into how we want to play football very well. You put Austin Hooper with a guy you re-signed, Jeff Swaim, and the young man you drafted in the fourth round, Chigakakwo from Maryland. And the tight end group looks very different by design. Yeah, I think, you know, we like to be a tight end team. You know, I think that, you know, his, historically that's what, you know, Mike has, has known. I've certainly, you know, been around that when all those years in, in New England when we had the tight ends that we had. When you've got those guys, it can be such a, an advantage uh, for you offensively when you want to run the football like we want to run the football well you need you need tight ends but uh, when those tight ends can also you know get open and catch um, you can strategically and formationally maybe put your your opponents in a little bit of a bind based on the personnel grouping you have on the field and the personnel grouping they're going to deploy to try to defend that where it may look like it's you know they're going to run the football because they got three tight ends in the game well all of a sudden they're split out. And now you've got, you know, maybe run-stopping defensive players trying to cover guys that can get open and catch, and it can be an advantage for you offensively. All right, let's look at some of the questions that you've received from the OT people. Are you prepared? Uh, we'll see. Are you prepared for the questions? I, I didn't see the questions beforehand, Mike. Oh, were you so supposed to? Say, to? I don't know if I was or wasn't. I don't know. Like, I don't it's know your the, show. Like, it's, I'm just it's not my show. It's really Amy's show. But she's not here. Uh, Jason Lloyd says, when interviewing coaches about players during the draft process, 
How can you trust what they say when it's in their best interest that their player gets drafted high? That's a great question. You know, I think it's about the relationship. And I think the coaches typically, you know, their trust level for future players is kind of on the line. And, you know, they they may want to come to a practice here at some point and and maybe try to get an idea schematically about what we're doing offensively, defensively, or in the kicking game. And I would say the coaches that tend to steer us in the right direction on, on players, you know, our doors are going to be open, and those that, that maybe don't, then, you know, it kind of goes the other way. So, and you might not lean on that coach that you think maybe wasn't as forthcoming uh, with some information. But it's generally about relationships, and it's not like you're talking to one coach. You're talking to several people that have you know come in contact with the prospect and trying to get you know a lot of different opinions because you know sometimes players they they act one way in front of maybe the coach but you know the third equipment guy he treats him a little different we don't want those guys all right Bradley Fields actually asked coach Vrabel this question a couple weeks ago it's not about building off previous seasons according to coach Vrabel whether successful or unsuccessful is there a specific mindset or approach for this 2022 Titans roster that we can expect knowing that it's a new year? Yeah, I mean, I think this time of year, you know, that's the beauty beauty about the NFL, right? It's the parody of, of the NFL. You got new teams coming in the playoffs, you know, every year. I mean, we were one of those teams, you know, four years ago that hadn't been to the playoffs and it didn't, you know, look too sporty. And then, you know, here we are. You know, we've had six winning seasons in a row and we've been, you know, in a playoff team for the last couple here. So uh, I think that's the way the league has kind of set up with the draft and the cap and all of that. You know, the expectation is every, every team, 32 teams, they've got one goal. That's to win the, the Super Bowl. And in order to do that, you have to start stacking days and that starts in training camp. That's the way we've always approached things. You take you know, things, you take it one game at a time, one day at a time, you know, and kind of see where see where you end up at the end of December and you know, hopefully you're playing into January and on. John and Krista Uton from the twenty second element want to know how do teams hand out big money contracts and come in line with the salary cap better than others? Are they just more creative? That's a comp, that's a good question, and it's a very complicated answer because you can restructure contracts. You can restructure a lot of contracts. You can restructure any portion of that contract where you basically convert a portion of that to sign-in bonus, and then depending upon how many years you put on this restructure, it divides that salary cap number out over you know the length of ever how long this you know new renegotiation is that can give you some help in the immediate you know immediate help but it also can create some hurdles for you you know as you move into the next year and the next year and the next year because you keep opening those contracts up and pushing that out that player who you renegotiated well his salary cap may have been let's just say 10 million for the next year not this year where you've redid his contract and it went from 10 million to maybe 12 million so you do that too much and you have to start making harder decisions well at some point you got to pay the piper right you do unless you're just going to just keep riding it out until you know I, I don't know but it's some team some teams do it we do it a little bit but we try to be strategic as well so that I mean, you try to keep as many guys on the team as you can do you and your scouting department observe practice differently depending on the time of the year 
that's a great question. I think this time of the year, you're looking at, you know, the players, the veteran players, are they still performing at a, at a winning level? You know, as they get older, are they still performing at, at what we would consider a winning level? And, you know, the younger players, are they improving? Are they continually, continuing to make, you know, maybe the same mistakes over and over and over? So you're looking for, you know, growth maybe out of some of the younger players on the team and you're looking for, you know, your more veteran players, are they starting to fall off, you know, from a skill set standpoint? And you're trying to balance, you know, the timing of that. And uh, so I would say yes, but once that's kind of this time of year, once you get into the fall, it's really more about like, all right, does this player who may have this little bump or bruise, is he able to go or is the, is the, are the younger players continuing to grow or the players still playing at a high level who are more seasoned veterans? So it, it, it does depend a little bit, yes, but at the end of the day, it's about trying to play, you know, smart, winning football cornerback christian fulton took a big jump in year two how big a jump can he make from that into year three well i think that'll be dependent upon him you know how much time he's you know he's certainly working hard and uh, putting a lot of time in and uh, no football is important to him i was proud of him last year and and the progress that that he made from that that first year and it's hard you know it's he plays a tough position. You know, you're out there covering a number one receiver or a number two receiver, and you're trying to keep that guy from catching the ball. And there's a lot of good receivers in this in this league. And he's competitive and he's confident. And you, know, you have to rely on the technique and, you know, the fundamentals that we teach on a day-in and day-out basis. He certainly improved on that from year one to year two. And in order to take his game to the next level, he'll have to prove, improve on him or continue to improve on him this year. Have you been pleased with Dylan Radin's offseason? He's doing a nice job. Yeah, he's he's you know, he works some at guard. He's worked probably mostly at right tackle, and he he's improved. He looks he looks more comfortable over there, and his technique has gotten better. And I know he's working hard. He looks good physically. Uh, I know it's important to him. He and I had a great conversation at the end of last season, and um, you know he's excited about the potential to to win that job. At the end of the day, it's up to him. You know to go out and continue to improve on the things that he does well and fix the things that he needs to fix and go out and play at a winning level but he's certainly on the right track based on you know what you know what I'd seen through through the spring process have you been pleased with the bounce back of Caleb Farley after the knee injury yeah another one that's that's improved he's he's attacked you know the rehab process he looks more confident he looks more dialed in out there it's not perfect he's still got some things he's got to work on but you know he certainly dedicated himself to being you know, productive pro player out there for us. And, you know, excited to see him, you know, get back here in training camp with, with the pads on and compete some more. There's nothing like live reps. You know, that's that's how those get those guys get, get better. It's, you know, no different than, than any other profession. You know, it's like if you're a professional bowler, well, the only way to get good at bowling is to go bowl. If you're a professional welder, then the only way to get better at welding is to weld. Time on task for him will be important this training camp. I want to ask you about Malik Willis because there's going to be so much talk in August about him. Uh, people know him well. He was probably one of the five to best, five to ten best known prospects during the whole cycle in terms of the amount of publicity he got from the national outlets. So he was a national name. You end up with him. What's it been like to watch him work and to work with him so far as you head into August? Yeah, he's another one that has improved. You know, a lot. He, he came from, you know, the, the system that he played in collegiately. And you're having to learn a, a, a whole 
basically new language. Dictionary of calls and, and plays and if it's if you look up and it's this and we've got this call, well, you've got to get out of that play and audible to, to another play and as opposed to just running the play and instead of it telling you to throw it over here because I looked over there at the you know, poster board and it had a you know a boat horn and a duck and you know a large whelk whatever yeah um, it, don't throw it to that guy throw it to that guy. we don't have those poster boards so you you got to be able to process through all that and you know he didn't do a lot under center he's been better under center here late and he's putting the time in he's working hard he's studying he's got a smile on his face he works hard. I mean, he can really zip the football. Um, he's had a couple of really good throws uh, in minicamp, and um, and excited to con- you know continue to see him you know progress. Is there any part of Malik Willis, on or off the field, that has surprised you now that he's on your team? No, he, I mean everybody raved about him as a, as a person and the way he carried himself. You know, he talked about him always smiling around the facility there at, at Liberty, and that's kind of what we have seen. And talked about how hard he worked and uh, how much he. Uh, put into to learning that offense and trying to help that football team and that's what we have we've seen here and I guess seeing the ball come off his hand with the velocity you know that's probably been one of the more impressive things just seeing it live I mean you can see it at a pro day you can see that and it's well it's but but to see it day after day after day the way he can spin it it's uh it's been fun to watch it's funny I've obviously been here for all seven of your drafts and when we went to the Senior Bowl and I met Roger McCrary and sat and talked to him, read his background story, watched him practice, watch how he played, I thought, this guy's a Titan. He, he is a John Robinson-type player, a guy who comes from nothing in terms of he was not a highly rated prospect. Auburn was his biggest offer. He wasn't even a corner coming out of high school. He's a battler. And then you take him early in the second round and watching him through the course of May and into June, he he looks like what he was advertised to be. Did I read that right? I mean, that there's not a lot of frills with Roger. I, he, we brought him in on, on a pre-draft visit, and it's funny when you visit with these prospects, they want to impress. So for each position group, I have a certain set of questions that I'll ask them about or what their job description is. And like with Roger, I was like, well, what do you think it's important for a you know, a corner to be successful in the NFL is. Of course, he starts with speed and, you know, my quickness and my transition and this and that. And he rattles off about eight things. I was like, you got two things, Roger. Don't let your guy catch the ball and tackle the guy that's got it. And he does that more than not. You know, and you could see it on, you know, the tape at Auburn. You could see it at the Senior Bowl. And he's transitioned really well uh, for us here. He's played some inside corner for us. He's played some outside corner uh, for us. He's communicative. He, he's he's dialed in, he's locked in on his guy, and he's he's improved. And just glad he was there when, when we took him and, and proud of what he's done to date. The fan base, obviously talking about your first-round pick, Traylon Burks all over the place because you always talk about the first-round pick. They're also talking about the guy you took out of UCLA, Kyle Phillips. He is an intriguing player. And like Roger McCurry, he seems to be what we thought he was. Why – how does this guy do it? Because if you walk if you walk up to him, you just don't think he'd be able to. Yeah, I mean, you think he was like you know taking your order at Dunkin' Donuts or something. You know, <laughs> it's like you want two Boston creams and a regular or what? But no, he's got savvy. He's got instincts. He's got quickness. He's got toughness. All the things you saw on the tape at, at UCLA when you watched him, you know, play primarily slot receiver. He's just got that 
kind of savvy and shake to him on the inside where as tight as the cover guy can be, he's got a way of making him think he's going to go one way and then you blink and he's going the other way, you know, and he's got the ball in his hands and he's running. And uh, he's done He's done a nice job. He had, you know, he's made a couple of really good plays here in, in minicamp and just excited to him for, to see him continue to, to, to grow. And it's it, the thing with those receivers, it's, it's them learning that they may not be the primary target or the primary read or even the second read. They've got a job to do on a certain play to maybe free up the primary read guy or the secondary read guy, just like on certain plays, maybe the quote-unquote number one receiver, everybody thinks he's going to get the ball, but he's really kind of running smoke to free up the slot receiver. You know, So those guys learning that, that concept uh, of the game offensively, and he's doing a nice job of that. How has Theo Jackson done so far? He's done great. You know, I, he's probably still riding high from, you know, just the draft call. I mean, I saw it on TV. It looked like he had 48 million people at his house in <laughs> Titans gear. It was pretty cool. But he's he's picked up the defense well, and it's um, we don't run a real simple defense. There's a lot of calls, a lot of checks, a lot of communication. He's handled that well. He's played the deep part of the field. He's played down around the line of scrimmage. He's working on all the special teams units. You know, all of that stuff, it hasn't been too much for him. You know, you can tell that he is a – He's a smart, he's an intelligent football player that he puts the time in. And, you know, some of the plays that you saw him make for the balls, we're, we're seeing him make some of those plays now. And we're putting him in some different positions, you know, maybe than he played for Tennessee. But he's adapted to him well. He's coachable. He's been a nice addition. He's carving out a cool role for himself. That defensive back room is a really good room, isn't it? It is. It's a bunch of good football players, but maybe even better people. You know, you talk about Kevin Byard and, and Hooker and, and Fulton and Molden and, and Farley and, and Theo. And, yeah, it's, there's a lot of guys. A.J. Moore has yeah. been great. You know, he's just – he's a football guy. I'm really proud of all those guys. And some of these guys that we've signed in the offseason – uh, Williams, who was in Atlanta last year, he's made some plays this year. Like Griffin is a rookie undrafted free agent out of South Dakota. He's made some plays. I mean, all these guys have kind of shown up, made some plays, hadn't been too big for him. As you approach year seven, where do you feel like the organization has come the furthest? Oof. That's a good question. I I think that we now, as an organization, as a football team, I think we – we now know what good looks like. I think when I first got here, that had gotten lost somewhere from when the team moved here and they were so good and everybody was riding high and it was new and cool. And, you know, somewhere in there, like, you just had kind of forgotten what what good was, you know, even though it was on the walls, the old walls that were here about first class and, this and that and it just it wasn't to be quite frank when I got here and it took a lot of long days and a lot of hard work and a lot of hard conversations and a lot of managing different personalities and trying to teach and inspire that this is the way we've got to do it because this is what it looks like but I think we're, we, we know what it looks like now. We've gotten back to that as an organization and that it is important. It is important to do things the right way. It's important to treat people the right way. And I, I'm proud of where it's come and what we've been able to do in six years. And you know, hopefully we can keep, keep stringing winning seasons together and continue to build this thing and ultimately 
you know, hopefully one day reach the ultimate goal. If you know what good looks like for real, then all of a sudden high expectations aren't just words. No, because that's the standard. Right. You know, the like, standard is the standard. Correct. Yeah. It's it's like we're we're, we're we've got to hit the standard because that's if we we, we know what good is and that's who we're going to be, then in every facet or, of the organization, that's going to be our goal is to maintain that standard. And that standard's a good one. That's a winning standard really in everything that we do, you know, whether it's ticket sales, marketing, stadium, certainly the players, coaching, equipment, uh, everything, you know. So uh, I'm proud, super proud of, of the buy-in, you know, that everybody has gotten under a- Amy's leadership and what she's done for the organization and her vision and blessed that, that, you know, she hired me to um, kind of oversee some of the football stuff and put our blueprint on it and, and, and really try to indoctrinate her vision. And from that comes a buy-in from the fan base. Yeah, absolutely. Of course, you know, when something doesn't go right or a player don't work out, they want to tar and feather me, but I mean, that's the way it goes. But um yeah, I mean, I think our I think our fans are they're passionate, and it's so cool, you know. Whether certainly when we're at home, and I remember that first year, and I think we were playing the the Packers at home, and we roll out, and there may have been I don't know fifteen thousand Titans fans and about forty five thousand yeah. Green Bay. Fans. It wasn't great, and it was just like what you know what, and now I, I that's. Hey, Nashville's a destination city. I get it. We're not going to be able to keep all the opposing fans out. But I don't think there's 45,000 opposing fans in there anymore. You know, our fans believe in what we're doing. And you know, we've put a product on the field that they can be proud of. We put guys in the community that they can rally behind because they know they do what's right. And um, it's cool. You know, when you're when you're rolling out pregame, you see all the two-tone blue. And it's even cooler when we're now we're that team that invades the opposing team stadium and there's you know when we're out in LA and Sunday night football we beat the Rams and you look behind you and there's what looks like I don't know eight ten thousand Titans fans that's pretty it's a pretty cool thing it was amazing thanks for taking time absolutely enjoy doing it Mike John Robinson Titans general manager joining me Mike Keith and we appreciate you listening to the OTP Everybody knows it's a high